how great it is to be sitting Richie. down with Richie, Uncle Richie, Rich Wilkerson Jr., Richie Wilkerson. It's just so many names. You guys so many, moving here. So yeah, many I'm personalities. Moving. You now are located in Birmingham. Yes, I absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, well, what we're doing is we're still really going to serve the people of Miami, but yeah. the Lord really spoke to us that it's better to do that from the high point in the high ground of Birmingham. Yeah, right. So we're going to yeah. really be here at mostly. The yeah, at, at the highlands. The highlands. The highlands. That's Higher right. heights. I'm in Birmingham so much it seems like maybe I am moving here. We love you in Birmingham. Yeah, I love and, you guys. Thanks for letting me. I've always been wanting to come on, so thanks well, for Well, unscripted has been day. something that has been on my heart, and uh, I wanted awesome. to grab, I, I, I'm, now I'm privileged to have my son a part of it. You know a little bit about father and son. I knew your dad before I knew you, and your dad was uh, a big brother into my life. When I was in Bible college, he came and preached. Never forget, he preached on pulling down strongholds. Let's go. He, was, he kept doing this. Pull it. He kept pulling them down. And, uh, I'm going to do that tonight at 1. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna take I'm hoping that's going to happen. Yeah. You're doing that message. You too. Yeah. And, then, and then I got to know your mom. And then next thing you know, we're doing outreach in Miami and tents and giving out food with the Myers and Tommy Barnett. And, uh, and then uh, I start seeing you. And uh, he called me one day. You were coming to do our, our, our youth. Yes. In Baton like, Rouge a long 21. time ago. You brought G Money. I brought your amazing brother. You brought your brother. And, so, and then we knew DC, I mean, yeah. because of Denny and my wife. Evangel. I mean, we, it's family. I mean, the dynasty. Uh, Dylan's relationship with all the Durans. But Thank your you dad really. called me and said, hey, D Richie's coming. He calls you Richie. I, mean, yeah. so I still call you Richie. Yeah. I call you Richie to be when they're like, he's not Richie. They, they correct it's me. PR. They, they correct me. But he said, Richie's coming and give him the Sunday. And I said, I mean, it's your dad. Of course, I do it exactly what he says. Like, I said, yes, of course, he'll have the Sunday. And I was leaving. I was not there the first Sunday you I preached. Know this, yeah. And, uh, and yeah. I believe it was one of your first Sundays out. Yes, sir. Doing, I mean, we did probably three services yeah. that day. Pretty small church. Pretty, pretty, you know, yeah. little work that we you guys had going on there. Started. Preach up a church. Whatever. One of the best churches we were in, in the arena. In the nation, in the arena. Yeah. That is so my dad, though. I mean, that's a mark of a good father. He He's going to have the Sunday. Yeah, who does that? My dad. What, what, my dad father, if anyone can, he calling can. Calling you, son. getting me to preach at your church. Thank you for that, right. by the way. Yeah. Great for awesome. security. Yeah. Yeah. The lamb was a little worried. The lamb of was course. Worried. Everyone should have been worried. worried. And, uh, and uh, it's a miracle that... We got through it because it really was crazy that you allowed me to do the Sunday. But that's the do you remember the first because you know Dylan's Dylan's is preaching a whole lot better than I preached at his age. Uh, you know I, I did students and did bus ministry. Tell me about those early days of preaching. Jeez, man! You remember your first message? Uh, I yeah, I do. I um, well, I have a couple different like moments when it comes to preaching that come to my mind. My first message, like real kind of message, I think was when I was 17 years of age. I had, we had moved to Miami in 1998 when I was okay. 14. That kind of was a whole upheaval from Seattle, Washington, yeah. Tacoma, right. Washington to Miami. And um, at 17 is when I really kind of gave my life back over to the Lord and said, I'm gonna follow you. And I'd been in Australia and had heard a preacher at the conference we were at speak and he had preached on Joseph in the dream. And so I had been going to this little Presbyterian youth ministry on Sunday nights up in Fort Lauderdale, not even my dad's church. There were just some friends from school that went there. And the youth pastor was kind of a good mentor to me. So he invited me after I kind of come back. I'm like, I'm really feeling yeah. called to preach. I'm on fire. I love the Lord, you know. 
He said, why don't you come and speak to the junior high boys, you know? I'm like, well, yeah, absolutely. Oh, middle schoolers. But I didn't know how to put a message together, you know? So I just took that guy from Australia's message on Joseph. I'm like sleeping in the bunks every night in the same room with all the junior hires. I'm 17. I'm trying to like, trying to really? to that. Yeah, yeah, I've been them, to that camp, you know? yeah. So that was kind of my first thing. But the, the big disaster story was when I first moved to Miami, my dad was, was real Pentecostal. And so we used to be in services and dad could like call you out or do something. And it was like, Early, like, first couple weeks we were there in Miami. I'm 14. We took on, like, a, it's an all-black church. It was Haitian, Bahamian, Caribbean. It was everything but white people. And so I stick out like a sore thumb. I have bleach blonde hair and puka shell necklace. Yes. Yes. North Miami. And my dad's like, I don't know if he's starting his message, but he, like, calls me up. He's like, Rich has got a word. And I don't know what came over me. But I'm like, yeah, 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 I do. I do. You know? like, so I take the microphone. And I begin to, I don't know, on the spot, or if this is premeditated, like, church, um, Lord told me to tell you today's about the three Ds. I start, I start, I start acting it up. You went, you went alliteration. Yeah, number one. Off the bat. Number one, divorce. (laughs) 14. Divorce has got to stop in this church. We got to quit getting, I'm 14, you got to quit getting divorced. Number, Number two, drug addiction. What are we doing? What are we doing? Drugs are killing our kids. Number three. Say no to drugs. Yeah, say no to drug addiction. Yeah. Number three, death. When I said death, I meant murder. I was like, we got to quit killing each other. My first message was divorce, drugs, and death. And I got off the platform, and I think that, that is people were dumber after they heard that entire message. But, but I didn't give up. I didn't give up. So what do you, I've got a lot of bad preaching stories. What do you, what's, your, what's your angle on uh, – <laughs> what, what is your last thought before you walk on stage, when you think, okay, this is what I've got. I got to get this right. Mm. You go to a lot of, you got your own home church. That's yeah. a different feel. You travel, small, big, medium, large, older churches, new churches, international. Yeah. What is that thought that you have? I think this, I, I love asking that question. What is your, those walkout thoughts? Yeah. For me, I, I go back to that old, I think it's like a T.D. Jakes phrase where he talks about preaching. And I can't remember all the, um, you know, pray yourself hot, study yourself full, think right. yourself clear. And that last one is this idea of letting yourself go. And for me, whether I'm speaking at Island's Chapel or my church on a Sunday, yeah. there's always a conscious effort. Um, I, I still manuscript. I'm into my notes and study. And these days I'm trying to pastor church, so I'm trying to teach the Bible. But there's and always a that. Yeah, trying to build a church. There's always that moment at the very end where I think my self-talk is, all right, bro, let yourself that's a good right. go. Like, like you got to get out of you now a little yeah. bit. I think the best preaching is when you've hidden that word in your heart and all of a sudden out of your heart's what you start speaking. And so there's always, it, it's different what I'm saying to myself, but there's always like, all right, forget the notes. All right, forget the, you studied, let yourself go. Right. Let yourself go. Like it's, it, this is not about you. Go help some people. Make the name of Jesus famous. It's, you know, I'll sometimes, I go back to that, you know, I must decrease so must yeah. increase it's that i'll you know? throw a little bit not by power of might but by your spirit and what you're basically saying is i can't do it i'm gonna give everything i got that yeah i'm not gonna be because i think sometimes you can tell when someone is preaching very self-aware mm. you know when they're yeah. very aware of their look their vibe yeah. their feel i see sometimes i'll see some young guys and it's like man you you're really more concerned about your fit mm. right and your flex than the text mm. or the topic or the or, or connecting with someone's heart. Yep. That single mom, that person that's there who's had a horrible week at work. 
because you know it, now now it's about connecting to that, and it's hard to connect to a person who's walked in the church, giving God one more chance, when you are so self-absorbed. Totally. Right. And and what do you what do you think about that? Well, I think there's that great question. It's like, are you nervous? And the right answer should be no. I'm only nervous when I'm thinking about myself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I don't think I always live there, but that would be the attempt and the goal where I want to be at. And so. My self-talk and what I'm trying to say to myself is preaching to me now is just what you're saying. This is not about you. And if it's going to be about you, it's going to be this small. It's going to have an yeah. impact. But if you can get to that person, if you can connect with that person, the only way you can really start to connect at that level is when the focus is not on you. It's when you're trying to add value to somebody else. It's when you're trying to take the text that you've been studying, present it to people. I want to get to someone's heart. And I also want to preach from a place that if I'm the only way I can move your heart, which I think is the best preaching, yeah, yeah. is when I'm preaching from my heart. Yeah, head talks down, man, head, that's good. But heart talk, and so I think of anything when I feel like, oh, that wasn't good today, is when I'm preaching from my head. We were just in, right. um, we were just in Israel. We had the best time, by the way. I'm like, I'm literally now that believer who's like, I'm gonna right. do an Israel yeah, trip yeah, yeah. every year. You Where have I been? But we were filming so much, and, and I loved it. We were these tour guides, and they just like making the Bible come alive. You know, the geography itself is preaching messages to you. You're just seeing it. Well, we're like doing long format, short format, but I'm essentially hearing these tour guides talk. I'm like, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. And I'm preaching, and I think it's effective, but I was getting off and I was going, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit because what I'm saying is good, but I'm just now, yeah, getting yeah, this information yeah. Yeah, that it hasn't, been, it, yeah. it hasn't merited it. And right. so it's not in my heart. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. I'm grateful. I wanted to use this stuff because I, I know nothing really yeah. about, you know, uh, the port at Jaffa, you know, which by the way is the same port that Jonah, when he was got the call to go to Nineveh, he doesn't go to Nineveh. Instead, he heads out towards the other way. But this is one of the first times in the Old Testament that God wants to take his message to Gentiles. It's that same port where Peter gets the vision of all the animals coming down wow, and God's right going, hey, go and bring my message to the Gentiles. It's the same port. So it's like, whoa, well, I never heard that in my life. No one's ever cross-referenced Peter and Jonah yeah. to me, but I'm here and there. I'm like, I'm going to share that. <laughs> but as it sits for a couple of weeks and it gets into my heart and I start to know it and know the text yeah. better, then it's going to connect in, in, in a higher way. And so that, that's a long way to say, once again, over and over again, when we are thinking about ourselves, I don't think we're very good ministers. Ministers about it's about getting to the person. It's about the other person. It's not about you. What do I want to tell myself? Let yourself go. He, he must become greater. I must become less. And But I, I, I know in my life, it's very easy for me to criticize the next generation or even my generation, but I know I've been guilty of that before, thinking oh, right. more about my phrasing or my yeah, alliteration yeah, 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 or my yeah, yeah. point. Right. It's so funny. Like, my hand being... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, did it rhyme? You know, like, <laughs> like, everything's got to rhyme these days. But um, but I think uh, the more you mature, the more you grow. Yeah, you recognize this is not about you. You are totally. a vessel. You're, yeah. you're you're in the hands of God being used, and he, he gets the most glory when no one sees you. Right. I think about what you always tell me. You know, your your front row first few years. You don't want to look back during that first song. You want yeah. who's in the room? Yeah, yeah. It's a light night. And I remember anytime I'm discouraged, you always just simply encourage me, hey, just love the people. Yeah. Like, it's not about you. And that's what I always tell people. It's just. But what the good thing about that is, and this is where I think there's an encouragement to anyone who's watching as a preacher or who uses this talk, is that, like, that's a real thing that you can actually choose to do. Right. People know 
people can sense so quickly. Yeah, if you see you're it. for them, if you are authentic, not an authentic is, is your is your content so amazing and, and so eloquently put out there. They know this person actually loves me. This person is believing. Right. I think the biggest thing we have to do as preachers is believe what you're talking about. Right. That's a pretty compelling thing. I think it's John Wesley who says, you know, um, light yourself on fire and people will come from miles and miles right. to watch you. If you don't, they won't. Yeah, it's like there's always a level of, um, do I believe this? Has this convinced right. me? Do I think that this thing is worthy to be preached? And Am I shouting because that's what you do for antics and art? Or am I shouting to drive home a point that is burning on the inside of me? Do I believe that people's eternity hangs in the balance? Do I believe that this is worthy work? All of those things start in us. They begin in our mind, they marinate down into our heart. But at the time we get up on that stage, that stuff has to be behind us. And now you have to go and be used. Right. And being used sounds so easy, but at times our egos get in the way. I think the thing that people need to land back on is just if you genuinely love the people, it won't be about you. Yeah. Love is, it's not about you, it's about yeah. you. Know. You know, if you think about one of the things that I, I like, we, we call this unscripted. Yeah. So you, you don't know what we're going to ask you. <laughs> and which I enjoy that part of it. Um, a lot, there are a lot of series preaching. We, we do series. I think series are important because you, you're hitting the same nail a few times. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, I don't like the idea of starting all these nails and nothing goes through and connects. Yeah. So I like a family series. I like a series on marriage. I like a series on singles. I like a series on the book of James. Yeah. That kind of helps you because you know where you're headed. You know that, yeah, hey, next week is yeah, James it 3. Compounds. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, what do you, how do you, because I, I, this is, I think this is a good question because I think we find ourselves there. When you don't have a series, it's a free Sunday. Mm -hmm. where, where, do you, where do you strike all? Mm. Where do you start? What's the base camp? Mm. It's a free Sunday. Yeah. And it's, it's base camp. Is it a scripture? Is it a prayer? Is it current events? Is it what you're building in the church? Mm. Is it something you've navigated with somebody who's walked through pain? Mm. You're nailing all of it. I mean, yeah. I think it's all of the above. And so I think that's a big part of it is like, is being open to the power of the spirit of God that he's going to speak to you. And some guys are, you know, I feel like sometimes we get so married to our systems or to our methods. It always starts with the text. Uh, a a uh, lot of my sermons do. And, right. uh, and I usually, but there's a lot of things where I, I heard some story or I heard some movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like the other day I, I'm doing, I, we, I was talking to, um, Last night, I was talking to, we had this gala for donors in our church, and I'm raising money for a building right now. It's a big, big, bold vision yeah, for us, the biggest thing we ever did. And I'm talking about, I've preached on vision so many times. So like, it's in many ways a standalone, I've gotta, I've gotta give information, I've gotta give CEO language around budgets and reports, but then I've got a pastor, and I'm trying to figure out new language around vision, and I saw some quote, I don't know if it was in a notebook, or, Steve Jobs, something on the lines of, um, you don't have to push people to work when they're being pulled by a vision. Yeah. And I just heard, pull, pull, let's go, let's go. pull, like, oh, I, and I go, oh, I start going, oh, vision pulls. Vision it's like pulls. it got touched. Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, vision pulls. Well, vision pulls, vision pulls, vision pulls. I start going, yeah. man, I started thinking, I don't know why, this is where my mind went, vision pulls. Well, what pulls you? I need a rope, a rope pulls you, a rope pulls you. So then I just do a study on ropes. Well, I, I found the story of Rahab, and, and the Hebrew word for rope is the word tikva. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Done. Would you believe that the same word tikva, which means rope, also means dun, 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 hope. Hope. Oh my God. Hope. Now I got a rope. whole message coming from Steve Jobs. Done. Hope. 
so is like a rope. Rope, soap. <laughs> hope is a rope. Hebrew, the same Hebrew word is rope and hope. Hope is a rope. For Rahab, her rope was her hope. I started going, now I'm doing cross references. Give me all the rope stories in the Bible. Oh, Joseph was pulled out with tikva, ropes out of the cistern. Well, that hope, that rope, <laughs> put him into the palace. Wait, wait, Samson was right. carried by ropes to the Philistines. Wait, 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 the rope's pulling him. It looks bad, but he defeats the Philistines. Wait, wait, oh, the sons right there of Hebron who have put the ropes around their heads, they get mercy. Um, the, the men who lower the guy down yeah. with the ropes. Thank you, Steve Jobs. To, 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 to Mark chapter two, it's like, I start seeing ropes everywhere. I'm like, oh my gosh, hope is a rope. Now I've got something. That, so it can happen that way. What, where did that come from? Steve, am I gonna tell everyone it's Steve Jobs? I don't know, I just, it, yeah. So now phrasing starts That's coming to me. Good, I don't wanna push you. Manipulation pushes, vision pulls. That's so great. it's like, so that is last night's talk, where that all started originally. I, there's a lot of Bible in it, but it didn't start there. And didn't really even start with, it started more with a word called vision. And it really started like, I've got to like, inspire, but I've got to do this budget stuff first. And so I, I try to like be open and be fluid to all of those things. Yeah. Whereas right now I start talking about that Peter and Jonah. I'm like, wow, I, I, now I've put my feet on the same, the oldest port that they know in history of humanity. Now I've got a personal connection. I've been there. I love the story of Jonah. Oh, I love this idea of I'm a Gentile. Like I've yeah. got some personal yeah. weight in it. Yeah. I like the cross reference. So that can be sitting so there good. in the notes and I got a standalone Sunday. I'm like, right. well, I got some stuff, and I think the more when we're pastoring at this, yeah. the more preaching week to week, yeah. I'm always like, I'm writing down everything. All the, if I'm with you, I'm like, yeah. ah, you give me a little. I'm reading. I'm highlighting stuff. Yeah. I, I always need something. I've left the hospital and from the room with that family to the car, got the message. Yeah, because of what the exchange you had with the family going through something. There you go. Or a prayer that you prayed, and in that prayer, you tapped something. Right that was just the Holy Ghost. In a moment. And it was like God heated that up and it was like, oh, man, I, I wonder how many other people are struggling with this question, this doubt, this problem. Well, I, I and think- you're, you're, you know, you're navigating that, because the problems, even though they're diverse, they're kind of all similar. Absolutely, but I think what, what I love that you're saying right here is that I think that we need to allow people to realize that many times God's gonna use your personality. God's gonna use your gift mix. Yeah. And he's gonna many times minister in that way. Like you are a world class. There's a million gifts that you have, but you're a world class storyteller. Like if you weren't doing this, you could figure out, like you can tell a story, you can make a story, you could find a story in today. Like you see life in story. So God many times, my guess is gonna minister you to the story. So a lot of times I bet you, we're in a hospital visit with some real people. I'm like, wow, the spirit of God's at work. Yeah. I might've walked into it with that, not that same gift mix, but you walked out with a whole story, with, with a problem, with a conflict, with a resolution in the hand of God. And then that becomes your premise that you might go, all right, this thing took place here. And now you might start cross-referencing and, start and connecting taking verses to support right. it. And I just think that we have to allow people to get a little bit of freedom and yeah. where do you get inspired? Sometimes a phrase will do it for me. Sometimes an idiom, something that's right. punchy. I like a title sometimes. Like sometimes my title is up front. <laughs> and I, I, I had this phrase. I'm like, that's my whole it's just a title. thing, bro. Right. That's my, yeah, it's just a title, but like that thing yeah. hits yeah. me, hits me, you know? How, how are you preaching to build the church? I think for us right now, it, it, it's a combination where, um, I sense as we started the church, like I had done youth ministry, I, my dad was getting me all my you know, speaking gigs there for such a long time. But at some point you realize, all right, it might open the door, but you gotta figure a way to stay, to in, stay in it, you know? So um, I think when we launched the church, I was realizing quickly, wow, like 
I think I learned a format of communication that's very effective and helpful in a conference setting or a youth meeting, which is really about sure. which is really about creating catalyst and creating yeah. Um, yeah. excitement, but like sustaining fire and, and fanning flames comes, I think, from a bedrock of a foundation of God's word. So you learn your, I gotta learn how to teach the Bible. I gotta learn how to disciple people. I've gotta become, I gotta get biblically literate people around here. I gotta help people get a biblical worldview. You know, it's one thing to, to hear the Bible, mm-hmm. to learn the Bible, to know the Bible, but then to see the world through the Bible, that's a whole nother Big level crap. of, Huge. you have a biblical worldview. Yeah. Right. So you can be going through cancer and go, man, this sucks. I hate this, but man, I can find purpose in it. And I've walked with Jesus enough that even if I die with this cancer, I'm not throwing yeah. my faith away and I still believe he's healer. He can yeah. do it, he will do it, but even if he doesn't, that's a biblical worldview. That's, that's more than a moment in an event. So I think for me, it's, it's been a combination of trying to use my gifts, which I think the Lord's given me an ability to inspire, to challenge, to lead. But I've had to learn how to start teaching the Bible. And so I think throughout the year, there's different collections of series that we, I just got done doing seven churches of Revelation. And so we're just walking through the text. And that has been a little bit of a commitment for us to say, man, we've got to make sure that we are teaching God's word. We can put in our, our own touch and our flavor, but I want to run that exercise and learn how to preach exegetically or expository um, because I think there's something about the sustainability and the foundation when we talk about building longevity of how yeah. this is done. And so those are certain practices that we've committed and I think building the church, learning uh, the calendar of the church, the rhythm of a church. Exactly. I think right. those are really, really big things that... Yeah, yeah the things that are Sunday. important to you in the, in the thumbprint of your church. Yep, yep. You know, it's small groups. It's, man, we're gonna do some outreach. We're gonna, yep. we're gonna really care for the next generation. We're gonna really lean into prayer. There's that thing that's on you yep. in DC where it's like, we really, we're on the earth to get this done. Yep. And so, and so, so when, when your wife is preaching, is she adding another facet, another oh, angle yeah, yeah. to what you're building? Yep. And what does she do better than you? Oh, so, I mean, she does love she Jesus, does, yeah. love people. I was gonna say, it's a, it's a long list like me. Don Cherie and Delyn Rizzo yeah. are, are from that Louisiana, Louisiana Pentecost, you know, brother, brother Denny, brother Wayne vibe. She's, so she's so what does she do better than you yeah. as she adds to building the church? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll start at the high level that I, I would say that DC really is like the soul of the church. That she really carries the heart. Maybe I've got the bloodline and the, and the culture and the DNA and the fabric yeah. a little bit, she comes in with what the guts of who we're supposed to be. How does she practically do that? I think she's constantly bringing it back to, and this sounds simple, but it's very true, this is about people. Right. So I think our staff yeah, you feel that. loves me and, and is fired up to take the hill with me. I think she's coming in and nurture. She's the mom, she's right. nurturing Mother. people, she loves them. I think the people in the pews, for lack of better words, Don Cherie's at hospital visits every week. Don Cherie is burying people yeah. there. Um, mama. She just doesn't miss those moments. Um, she, she's very, very pastoral in that regard. From a preaching standpoint, um, she's like her dad. She's got this, uh, she's an orator, so she speaks with great eloquence. She's quite prepared, but she has this prophetic edge. And when I use that word prophetic, not just like a prediction of the future, much more of like a now word. Yeah, that yeah, cuts yeah, yeah, into yeah, yeah, yeah. the, into the yeah. fabric of our church. And so I think when she comes up that she's elegant and eloquent, she's beautiful, she's completely feminine, but she has this power and the strength that I think comes from her dad and her heritage that she can just crush you with a smile on her face. <laughs> like you just got, uh, you just got corrected 
but you liked it. Like, right. Thank, you know, it felt good. It's like, so fortunate. Felt right. Dylan and I talk a lot about this. You know, a spiritual uh, pedigree, a spiritual yeah. line. Uh, Pastor Chris and I talk a lot about that. You know, he was fortunate, had a good dad. Yeah. Billy, Billy Hornsby, who started our. Yeah. Uh, Larry Stocks, who's like Jesus. I mean, there's these people. Um, you know, you've had a good, you've been blessed. Amen. Your dad, your father-in-law, you, uh, even I mean, uh, Dave Wilkerson yeah. and uh, the Buntane side of things. Yeah. I mean, my goodness gracious. You've got that side. I mean, your mother, who's, I mean, I mean, not many people even know the Bible like your mother knows the Bible mm. and uh, understands humanity. I mean, Dylan's the same way. He's got his, his grandfather, who is a godly 5 a.m. in the morning prayer guy yeah. for 60 years. And, you know, how important is honor of that? Yeah. Because we do live in a culture that can disregard yeah. that or not connect with it or be mad at it or be uh, disconnected from it. Sure. I think honor is everything. I think that that which you honor is what you receive from. If you can't honor it, you can't receive from it. And so many times, I think there's blessings that are waiting for us, but honor is the key that unlocks it. Wow. And you can even see that just biblically. I mean, Jesus in his own hometown is without honor. Unable is what the scripture says. So you take it up with God what that means. He's unable to do many miracles because in his own hometown, there's no honor. There's no weight. It's, it's a word that's about value and yeah. weight. Right. There's no weight put on it. And so I think when it comes to our spiritual heritage, my family, I, I even, today, even today, like at, um, when I was talking to some of those church planners, it's like, yeah, I want to do a that. better job though. Like everyone's got a unique story. Yeah. No one's story. We shouldn't compare our stories, but we got to be careful to like, not try to compete. Like there are advantages <laughs> that I have been given that have nothing to do with me. And I don't want to act like those aren't there. I want to be <laughs> forthcoming. Like right. I stand on the shoulders of four generations wow. of Pentecostal preachers. This is in our bloodline. I am not better than anybody, but there are some things that um, maybe you look at me and go, man, it feels like you, you um, maybe you're doing pretty good in that category. I should, I should be doing better. You know what I mean? Like I've been given so much and to whom much is given, much is required. And so there's a level when I look at my life that in, as, as I get older, now being a dad, it's like, yeah. wow. And so I, I want to do a better job honoring even more. And yeah. I did a study this year we did a collection called Daddy Issues. That's right. That was Brilliant. my man. And it, it just the start. Well, I started studying into it, and just stuff started like blowing my mind um, on the good and the bad. I don't believe yeah. in generational. Cur I want to make sure. I don't believe in curses. I think that in Christ Jesus, there's a brand new bloodline. But if you don't learn from the past, you're bound to repeat 100%. it. And all of us, even if we have a good spiritual pedigree, we still have moments of trauma, pain, hurt, that if we don't go and deal with, we will end up being susceptible to repeating those things. So it's like, um, I like this idea, if it runs in your family, don't be surprised if it's chasing after you. Right. <laughs> you know, um, Jesus might be in your heart, but grandpa's in your bones. And there's something inside of us that things are cyclical, that we repeat things, you know? It's like, some people live their whole life going, oh, I just don't wanna be like my dad. I don't, I, all right, you're not your dad, but you maybe you became like your grandpa, the one who created your dad. Because if we don't go and address these things, right. and so there's negative things that are passed down. Yeah. Sins are recycled. We could see that with the story of Abraham. Uh, Abraham tells a white lie. Uh, Isaac tells 
a full lie. Jacob, his oh, son, wow. is an identity as a liar. <laughs> uh, and then he Progress. creates a, a community of liars. All 10 of his sons lied to him about the killing of it. Oh, it, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, 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 why? Because unaddressed sin doesn't get better, it gets worse. Right. And so there's something we could talk about in the negative things that we pass down, but we don't just pass down negative things, we also pass down blessing. Right. And I think that's what gets excited, whether you're third generation, second generation, or if you're first generation. First. Yeah. You can stop the bleeding yeah. and you can start the blessing. Right. And I'm somebody who's reaped spiritual heritage just like you. And I want to just play my part, which is recognizing I'm standing on the shoulders of men and women who went before me. And I want my boys to go beyond me. I was telling a story the other day about my kids. I got into the car and um, we had coffees from Starbucks or whatever. And they're passing out. Hey, Rich, here's your cold brew. And Don, mm-hmm. here's your coffee. And all of a sudden, I heard my son, Wyatt, four years old, goes, I like chai. Cultured. Oh, my homie. Chai. Chai. Like yeah. father, like academic. Do you know about chai tea, bro? Chai latte. You know, four. And you go, that boy sounds like he's spoiled. I say, no, he ain't spoiled. He's blessed. Right. He's getting to start in a place that maybe I didn't start. I didn't know that. I just right. learned about chai tea last year. Yeah. But I think there's something to that. And I think that there's something exciting when we start thinking about the generations. And yeah. I was just in Israel. Jewish people, man, they don't think in, no, they, gen- don't. they think in, yeah, yeah. they think in centuries, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they yeah, think yeah, about, yeah. they don't think about, their, they've been around a while. Yeah, they right. just, they're thinking about setting up people for years and years to come. Yeah. Your heart, which is supposed to hold love, is now leaking love. Why? Because somewhere on the journey, we, we, we edged God out because of a past trauma, a past hurt. Somewhere on the journey, someone let us down. And what do we do? We start to adapt to the brokenness. Some of you today, this is, this is going to get heavy because some of you, it's like, dude, I'm aware of it, but I've just conformed to it. And it's like that alarm in your house, Rich, just beeping every minute. That sounds annoying, but after a while, you don't even hear it anymore. You don't even hear the beeping anymore because you got used to it. And some of us in this place, if we're being honest today, we've just gotten used to our holes. Can I preach it how I feel it? Some of us, we indulge our holes. Some of us, we're taking the broken areas of our life and we're defining our identity from our brokenness. And instead of trying to figure out why we can't be filled up, instead of trying to figure out why am I leaking, all we do is we just try to, we just get more. Let me just, if I get more, then then I'll be satisfied and then I'll be happy. But friend, it's a lie from the pit of hell. And many of us, if we're here today, as we start talking about daddy issues, and as some of you even went back, there was an awareness of what happened to you, but you don't know how to adjust. You, you, You don't know how to heal the cracks of your life. Well, I wanted to ask kind of a specific question. I think you probably have a lot of pastors, leaders, um, families that are all in ministry. Yeah. That was your story. Yeah. Fourth generation, Pentecostal, preacher, charismatic. Um, I think a, a lot of times, um, you know, growing up as a pastor's kid, it, I've talked to a lot of kids and they're like, I hated it. Mm. And for me, I think the way you guys set it up, props to y'all, is I actually, I thought it was a blessing. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. I thought my dad was a rock star. I thought it was awesome that we got to be a part of the local church and helping yeah. people. In terms of communicating, um, I think a lot of people think 
well, if you have that legacy, it's easier. Mm. You've been around it. You've heard great communicating. You've been around great leaders. When I've been thinking about this fact that I think sometimes it can be harder Mm. because there's a standard. Sure. When you you start from, from nothing, there's really no standard. You can only go up. But even for me, I've battled that. I've only been around amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when you start, you're like, yeah, man, yeah. my starting point's down here. And uh, I don't do the storytelling. I don't have the verdict. How did you battle yeah. with being around great communicators, your dad, your great friends? I think you said earlier, you, sometimes you're an echo before you find your real voice, yep. which is okay. But I, I was thinking about that the other day. I thought it was interesting that I, I never heard anyone say it. it's actually sometimes can be more difficult sure. because there's pressure, sure. there's standards, expectations. there's expectations. Totally. And sometimes I've been guilty. You fall into that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it goes back to this idea that we have to all be very careful that we all have unique stories. Right. And we love to create monoliths for any group. You know, all pastors' kids are the same. And, they, and no. Black got, sheep. Yeah. And, and you and I, how about this? My brother, I have four brothers. We all have the same dad and the same mom. We all have very different perspectives on totally. life, different perspectives on mom and dad. We all love mom and dad, but it's like how we how that all manifests. It's like, yeah. how, how do we all turn out this way? We all have the exact same upbringing, you know? Right. So I think we all have a unique way that we see things. I think that you're right that someone, I have a few friends that were raised in pastor's homes where they had a dad or a mom who was a world-class communicator. And rather than that being like, oh, I learned how to do this so perfectly, it put a shadow over them or put a burden on them. It's like growing up um, in my house, there wasn't like a lot of great basketball players. I'm like, if I'm beating my brother, I'm like, I'm the man. You know what I mean? Like, lead bound. And and sometimes there's a level of naivety or ignorance that we all need. Needed. I was, I keep, I'm sorry to keep talking about Israel, but I just went to Israel. It was my second time. My first time to Israel, I was invited to come and preach. This was like five years ago. I'm sitting here with you right now. I don't even want to share the story because I am so embarrassed at how arrogant, how stupid, how stupid I am in Israel speaking to Messianic Christians, telling the story of the prodigal son and giving Jewish yeah. custom and <laughs> their world. They're like, you like, that's not. They're that's, like, yeah, I don't think none of that's true. <laughs> but I say that to say, I was just in Israel the second time. The only reason I got there the second time is because I went the first time. And had I known what I knew the second time, I wouldn't have gone the first time because I would have been too insecure. Right. And I would have been too aware of how dumb I am yeah. to ever go there and preach. But now I'm like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> I will listen you to you. Share. Share. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Let me tell you about how hard it is to be a Christian in America. These are like, we've given up everything. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I just say that to go, yeah, I think that you can live in a home where it's like there's a standard and you know what's good. And you're like, it, what does it do? It, it, it shows you the gap of where you're at to what you know is good. You're like, I'm really far. And that big gap creates fear, insecurity. And it's, it's those emotions that prevent us and stop us from trying. Right. And the only way you get good is by trying and right. doing. Yeah. And so what do I say? I say that you have to get new narratives going on, right. things that you would preach and teach, but yeah. things that I have, to, I have to apply. I like language like I'm becoming. Like totally. The yeah, only yeah, thing more yeah, important yeah, with yeah, who yeah, I am today yeah is who I'm becoming tomorrow. Right. And the gap of where I am to what God's called me to be is not the gap from me to you. Right. It's the gap from where I am to where I'm, and I don't get grace from the gap from me to my dad yeah. or from me yeah. to Pastor Dino. I don't have any grace for that. And I, if I don't tell myself the right story, I'll just find myself 
jaded, critical, insecure. And that's the sad part is that we're given a spiritual heritage, but then it, rather than producing faith, yeah, it yeah. produces fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're, we don't combat the emotion of going, oh, I, did, I need a level of ignorance here, a level of just insecurity. I have a, I have a friend right now, I'll just, I won't say his name, but like he's just the man, like he's crushed it, but people criticize him all the time because they're like, ah, oh, he just look, lacks such self-awareness. Right. Uh, and I'm like, they're like, you need to tell him. I'm like, I ain't telling him nothing. Right. This is Pastor. beautiful to watch. Right. Let this, this man will fall. This man will have a moment where he has to be. But right now he is swinging so hard with great faith that that's beautiful because it's what's creating the momentum around him. I want to be a voice that celebrates yeah. somebody who is ignorant enough to try. And I think we kind of live in cool culture right now. Where it's like, right. let, me, let me humble you, man. Yeah. And sometimes you just need at our age to like, God will humble you. He right. does a yeah, great job. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about character stuff. I'm talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking okay. about like, I'm going to preach for you at 24 and like, like well, I shouldn't have done that. I, I should not in my logical mind. That is ridiculous. You find the clip. But guess what it did? It, it, it put new confidence in me. Yeah. It wasn't right. probably help any people, but it helped help. me, you know? What are, uh, you hit on personality. Sorry, I'm yelling so loud. No, no, it's, oh my it's God, okay. Chill out. It's not passion. On personality type. And I think we live in such an age where it's like, what's your Enneagram? What's your Myers Briggs? Yeah, yeah. What's your disc? Yep. What's your star sign? Like, bring out the crystals. Yeah. Um, it, it's a lot of personality types. And uh, I think all of those things are very helpful in seeing how you can lead and how you can lead others. But I think on one hand, it, it can almost limit you to what God can use you to do. Mm. Oh, I'm an introvert. Yeah. I can't evangelize. Totally. Oh, I'm an extrovert. Yeah, you become a yeah, yeah. I, a I can't really one-on-one with anybody and pastor someone. Because yeah. um, well, I know for you, from what I've gathered, you're an extrovert. You're a people person. Uh, I haven't been around so many people that are just... When you're in the room, it's like, we're having a good time. We're having fun. We're joking. We're laughing. Um, maybe speak to that. Has that always been you? And then has there been other areas that aren't your personality sure, type? Sure, yeah. That it's like, said. man, I've had to yeah. actively work at this thing. Yeah, you're, you're leading a church. <laughs> Absolutely. I need to be good at one-on-one. I need to be good. <laughs> Absolutely. What I love about those personality tests, it's always like, which one are you? I'm like, well, which day did you test me? Because <laughs> every day of the week, what it's meeting? different, yo. Yeah, it's like. I've done these things since I was in college and like every year I'm like, oh, this thing's changing because I think we are ever evolving and we're human beings. Totally. I think those things are only good if um, they are serving you, not if you, it's like, you know, the Sabbath, right? Like the Sabbath, uh, you're not created for the Sabbath, the Sabbath created for you. It's a right. gift. Those things are a gift never to limit us, but rather to help us accentuate and, and hopefully celebrate our strengths and then be aware of areas that we're weak that we can grow in. Um, for me, yeah, I think I'm a natural extrovert. I get energy from people, but I've also learned the older I get that I like intense moments of being an extrovert and then I need intense moments of recharge. And right. A lot of my life is lived with people and then I find myself naturally, it's not really on my calendar, but it's like, oh, I'm not at work at that, I'm, I'm alone, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing and thinking. And so you start to become more and more self-aware on the journey of all of it, but all sorts of categories I've had to grow. I think. I think if we're gonna only limit ourselves to identifying ourselves by things yeah. that we like, that's not really true. Because um, I think feelings and emotions are amazing and I, I don't wanna even downplay them. I think we also live in a world like emotions are all lies. Right. They're not always all lies. They're just, we shouldn't be controlled by them. I like to create things. I like to design things. I could probably sit with your mom and have a 
field day talking about the backsplash right. at your new house. Like, like that actually like is fun. I like that. Like even in church life, I like, we had galas last night. Like yeah. I've been obsessed with, it's all amber light. It's all candlelight. They'd be like, I like lighting. No one taught me to be that way. No one said this is the way to do it. That's who I am. I don't like showing spreadsheets of money and talking to a room of 200 people about them giving 30 million. I don't like any part of that. But the role that I am requires exactly. someone to do that and it's my role. Right. It's required. I've had to learn and step yeah. up. And I'm role. not gonna say that's not me. I do right. a pretty good job at it. Yeah. We, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that we have to pay attention to that stuff and I think what, what's silly is if your whole life is only doing things that you don't feel like you're good at or that right. you like, Comfort zone. you're not gonna have enough, you're not gonna have very enough, limited. yeah, you're not gonna have enough passion in life to, 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 to thrust you into yeah. the areas of momentum. Yeah. So I gotta, I gotta have some time I, for lighting. You know what I mean? Yeah, I gotta you say that. And if, it, well, I think if, that, if you're not careful, that comes all about, becomes all about you. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, what I like, what I want, yeah. you know, what, uh, what makes me feel good. And, you know, when you get down into the gospel and you get down into uh, being what God wants you to be, uh, he is going to put you in some places where you are 100% undone right. and you need him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can't live there. Yeah. Because you do have strengths. Yeah. And you do have ways that God made you different, special. I believe there's something in me, in you, in you and everybody here. I believe there's something I can be the best in the world at. Mm. And, and I don't think that makes you better than anybody else. No. I just think it, may, yeah, yeah, it makes you more of a service. So I believe there's something about me that if I'm fully engaged with uh, my, my, my Savior, fully engaged with my family, fully engaged in my soul, then I can be the best in the world at something. And then, um, I, you know, and, and when, I, when, I, when I overthink about myself, I freak out. You just go in freak out mode. And, uh, and uh, so much of anything that I look back on my life, 58, and when there, are, there were the moments, it was, I was probably thinking too much about myself. Yeah. So you're, you're trying to you get your mind on that. Let me ask you a question, because um, this is important. You have been in the middle of culture. Mm. You, you're very rare. There's not a lot of uh, people like you that have been thrust in the middle of high visibility culture, uh, whether that's people, places, things. I mean, I don't know many people who did, you know, their own show. Mm. You had a show. Uh, was it Rich and Fake? Yeah, Throwback. Real sexy title. Yeah, it's just real creative. Yeah. But I'm saying, you, you were in all that. Yeah, yeah. Looking back now, because yeah. you, know you know what I love about you? And I don't, every, there were people calling me saying, man, that's going to get a rich, man, DC rich. Yeah. I remember riding in the car with, with my, Delenn and I, and we, we had a, just a moment about it. And we both said, it won't, mm. it won't. I, I, I never thought mm. it's not going to get to you. I just don't believe that. Uh, because I think you have a deep well, mm. a deep well of God's word, deep well of, of who you are, who you're not, deep well of family, deep, good wife. So how did you manage that? Yeah. Where a lot of people, they can carry it about a day and they drop it or it drops on them. Mm. How did you manage through that? Mm. I think- Because that was heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like 
different seasons, I think God gives you different measures of grace. And I even like that idea that there's different measures of grace, that we need different measures of grace. I need a new measure of grace with three kids, you know? Um, I need a new measure of grace when I'm leading a church. I feel like there's a combination of that whole season in particular, especially when we did that reality show, which is, which is like, um, kind of what I was saying, there was a level of like ignorance, but it was like kind of beautiful. It was all from a really good motive intention. I think that we were doing that show, not I think, I know, I know what my mind was. Um, we were doing that show from this like real intention of like, we're gonna like, I had this whole idea like. We're rich people. I literally had this like, like elevator pitch like, you know like, how like Xerox became like, you know, staple. When you think copy machine, you just think, you don't even, you, I need a Xerox machine. This is like, I don't know if people even know what Xerox is anymore, but it used to be a brand of copy machine. Oh, you 80 year olds. Yeah, yeah, it's like, Rich, where, where are you coming yeah, from? Yeah, no one's watching this. Yeah. Gen Z really doesn't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But I liked how there was like Kleenex, you know, like that, that means yeah. tissue. It's like, we just know the brand. And I had this like altruistic, this is how big my vision at the time was. Oh, there's gonna be people that will never walk into a church, but they're gonna watch yeah. 15 seasons of Rich in Faith. And this family, this, when they think church, they're gonna think rich and faith. Like that's that's that it's was my intention. Yeah, I'm like we're gonna we're change, we're we're going into the darkest oxygen TV network. Yeah, we're bringing the light of, into the night. We're going into the right. night with this. So it was all based from this kind of like almost cool, that's what I like. I had no idea that. Right. Now looking back, I'm like there was so many just dumb like the home that we we chose oxygen is known for low-hanging, the, the worst kind of reality-based TV shows. So everyone that's making a show on that network only knows how to create senseless drama. In my life, there actually is no senseless drama. You know what I mean? Right. We actually are all working and teaching each other how not to have drama. So it's like fabricating and creating. I think the pressure that came on was just, I think it was all in that time where we stepped onto some stages with just some yep. celebrity friends, exactly. with Kim and Kanye's wedding, with in, Justin. A, in a pretty cool robe. Yeah, in a pretty cool robe. Pretty cool robe. All these things kind of all happened. That we had our first book, and it was sort of like this storm, which I think the thing about it, as I look back, and what shaped me probably the most from it was just, I think there's a lot of sadness. Not that the show, the show didn't do very good, but I think I was more sad just how much the church, or we can say Christians, those are the only people that were talking about it. They were the last people we were trying to reach with exactly. it. Right. So no one in the world is really talking about it. It's only our little subculture of Christians talk about it. And they all, all the subculture Christians kind of hate it. Like they all think that we're <laughs> yeah. fraudulent or fake or whack yeah. or shallow. And I think that's what I'm saying. It's like kind of like the bubble bursting right. of like, dude, am I going to listen to like, like, at least we were out here trying yeah, to do something. We're trying to like, the, we're trying the, the, to like the, the, make a difference. We're yeah, trying to like yeah. be evangelistic. So I think I learned a lot from it. I think that God's grace kept me. It was all in the right time. We hadn't launched the church yet. It was, that's right, that's right. It was a year that I was sort right. of transitioning out of dad. Yeah, that's right. So there was a pocket of time. I think it was How all long God's ago was that? I watched it. 2014 and 15. We were in Baton Rouge. Yeah. yeah. I remember and so, so when, did you, that was before really cancel culture hit hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that wasn't really a thing yeah. yet. It was like, yeah, Don Tree's in her baby suit. Have you preached on cancel culture? Uh, I probably said it a couple times. What did you say? preach I just think that the kingdom of God doesn't cancel people. You know, that yeah. Jesus, thank God, right. Jesus didn't cancel me. You know, he was, <laughs> uh, he canceled the written code. Yeah. <laughs> Colossians chapter two, that kind of stuff. It's like, I don't think this idea of writing human beings yeah. off. When you, when you talked about daddy issues, I don't jump around, but just, oh, I want to clear this. When you talked about daddy good. issues, did you help people with hurt? Yeah. 
because you know we, we it's church hurt. It's I'm hurt. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm mad. It's I'm not even what I've done. It's I, what's been done. Yeah, I mean it's all that you know, and and it's that's legit. I get it. Um, we all could probably talk about that. It's just half the story where people disappoint you and people. So how how did you address that? Um, well, I think in this idea right now, and I want to be obviously sensitive. You got to you got to sure. you got to preface everything these days with some prefaces yeah. and I want to preface anyone who's ever actually been hurt exactly. traumatized or abused 100%. That, I, I think the church needs to do better at seeing pain yep. acknowledging pain I think we need to certainly take care of victims I think that what we have to remember about our faith and a Judeo-Christian truth base is that we believe in this word called forgiveness and forgiveness is honestly created and Firsthand, its origins come from Christianity. Judaism, really, the first story that we know of in the history of humanity around the word forgiveness is the story of Joseph. And Joseph is a Man, type of wow. Jesus, right? That he God, sits at the right hand of the king. Yeah. And yeah. instead of using his power to curse and destroy right. his brothers who now wronged him, he forgives them. Right. What does Jesus do? He sits at the right hand of the Father, and when he looks at you and I, who deserve punishment because we crucified him, he doesn't do that. Instead, he forgives. So forgiveness is a weapon in the hand of believers, but forgiveness happens on twofold. Jesus forgives us, and it's his forgiveness of us that we're empowered to forgive others. What needs to be taught in the church today about forgiveness is that forgiveness is not just, I forgot it, it's okay. When you wrong me and I forgive you, on a practical sense, what that means is, is that I'm going to absorb the blow yeah. and the pain of that. I think That's it's Tim good. Keller who says, like, if you come and steal my lamp, and I forgive you, that doesn't mean that you buy the lamp back. That doesn't mean, yeah. it, it's one of two things. Either I have to go and get $50 and buy a new lamp, that sucks, or I have to figure out how to do life without a lamp there anymore. That's a picture of real forgiveness. And so I think at times we don't really understand, good. how can I do that? You can't do that in your own no, you human flesh. You can only do that through the spirit of God. And now what I would say is this, is that, what I get concerned about in the church today, and I get concerned about me and, and leaders as well and people, is that we're always one of two things. We're always victim, and we're also always villain. We aren't always the victim. Sometimes we're the villain. We're not always the villain. Sometimes we're the victim. And I think many times there's only one-sided preaching which will many times placate towards the wounds and sure. hurts. And sometimes we need to also tell the other side of the story that you've actually hurt some people. Yeah, yeah. 100%. You've actually done yeah, some yeah, yeah. damage. You, like Joseph's brothers, you deserve punishment. I deserve punishment. And until we under, come around that both sides of the coin, that I'm both of these things, that's the only place I think that we actually find ourselves going, all right, I need the mercy of Jesus and it's through the lens of the cross that I can even begin to articulate the fact that I can forgive those that have wronged me. And I think we're just living in very, very sensitive times right now where people are rallying around their hurt. Yeah. And... I want to make sure that we're not diminishing pain, but we have to have a way to heal. Yeah. And I, I really believe the only way that we heal is when we receive God's forgiveness and when we forgive others. It's that great quote, right? Like, for unforgiveness is drinking the poison thinking it's yeah. going to hurt you. And there's an idea that we're building coalitions and movements, churches, and tribes all around our hurt and our trauma. I don't think it's going to bring the freedom that we want. And... Um, that's a loaded statement for a lot of people because that can go in a lot of directions, but that's kind of the Bible. Right. So 
with things like daddy issues, yeah, at some point in that collection, your daddy might have abused you, your dad might have walked out on you, your dad might have let you down. Our earthly dads, they aren't God. They're our first picture and our first desire and our sure. first hunger for God. But that's why we have a father of the fatherless. And our heavenly father is not a reflection of our earthly father. He's the perfection of it. And if you're ever going to heal, somehow you're going to have to find the power from within through the spirit of God to forgive. That doesn't mean you have to be best. That doesn't mean you have to right. go to the prison and talk to him on the phone every day. But if you don't forgive, <laughs> you're going to find yourself hurting others because hurt people hurt others. And resentment, bitterness, um, it's dirty, man. And when it grows, it doesn't, it doesn't lead to, to good things. And so I think I'm, I'm trying to teach through that always. And I'm trying to do that in my own leadership. I think, I, I think as leaders, we can get so hurt by people. Like, oh my God. This has been a crazy couple of years. Right. I've had people yeah. leave me, talk about me. And if I'm not careful, I'm like, oh, how dare, I'm the victim. Yeah, and or you cases, want to come back. Yeah, in some cases, I am the victim. But in right. other cases, I've been villain. I've, I've, I've been right. mean. I've been short. We're, we're exactly. human. We're both. It's all I'm trying to land. We're both. And when I come to the grips of that, it goes, oh, I need mercy. Jesus, I need your forgiveness. As I receive his forgiveness, and I get a really good revelation of that, that's what empowers me to go, hey, Dina, yeah. it's okay. That hurt me, but I forgive you, and let's move on. Well, talk about that, too, because you, you hit on it. I remember talking to someone a few years ago, very uh, influential person um, in the entertainment industry, and I remember I said, hey, tell me something that I probably wouldn't know about your everyday. Something, yeah. uh, on one hand, there's all these amazing things when you're in a position of influence and leading people, but there's also some, some tough parts, some pressure. We just talked about it at chapel, the pressure of it all. Yeah. Um, I can remember, uh, it was actually a she, she said, um, oftentimes when uh, you're in an influential spot or maybe you're just leading people or a, a known person, um, on one hand, people love you, but on the other hand, you get misinterpreted uh, a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, where you're almost having to disarm people. Um, and I think on one hand, we can focus on that too much, like you're saying. Man, all my haters, shout out. Y'all didn't want yeah, me to totally, win. Yeah. And it's like, well, there's probably more people that love you than oh, hate you. It's just the balance, yeah. But it, I, I've even – I've walked through that a little bit. It's like, you know, people know dad. And because people know dad and because I was in New York and did all these things – People assume certain things. Sure. And it's like, well, you, you really don't even, you know, know yeah, me yeah. or I don't even know your first name or you don't know my favorite color. Talk about like dealing with that yeah. pressure and almost when you're doing the show, of course, Rich and DC are doing a show. They're going to change. And it's like, no, we were actually trying to reach people. Yeah. I feel like it, that can, it can almost be an all-consuming thought sometimes. Yeah. I, I, it goes back to a lot of what we've been talking about in terms of we have to, as servants of God, we have to keep coming back to the idea of I, I must decrease so he may increase. I, I think I've dealt a lot in my life, especially locally in Miami, that my reputation preceded me in a negative way. Right. Not because I've done something negative per se, but the way that I was misinterpreted yep. or what you see online or what you see a glimpse of or perspective. Yeah, yeah. A little of. comment here, a little, bl yeah. little blurb here. I, I think it's led me to being aware that um, – I can't tell you how many times, right? It's like, uh, the other day I was just, we were at one of these galas and this woman walked up and she's like, oh my goodness, I saw you guys at the mall the other night. I just didn't want to say anything. It's a, it's a restaurant. I'm like, I wish you would. You know? yeah. For one time I was in the Atlanta airport and oh someone, someone DM'd me a photo. It was me sitting with my kids 
on the floor. They're like, I just love you so much, Pastor Rich. I want to come say hi, but I was too nervous. I'm like, dude, you're taking photos in the airport? <laughs> that's weirder. Yeah, that's yeah, really, really weird. Come up and see me, the, please. The, 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 the best story ever was one time when we were first, I think it was first year of our church, and we had our bank accounts, and we were going on our staff retreat, and somehow we had checked the bank accounts that morning, and all the accounts said zero. We didn't have a lot of money at the time, but zero. We had more yeah. than zero. I'm like, yeah, yeah. what's happening? And somehow I had to call like the bank person's like Chase Bank. I'm transferred to someone in Dallas. And I'm like, where is all the, the money? But long story short, there was like a glitch. Right. It wasn't us. But I mean, this is like pretty heated stuff. It's like, yeah. this is all we got. Yeah, like, intense. Got hacked. I'm like, on the phone with this guy for 40 minutes. At the end of the phone call, he goes, hey, by the way, uh, Pastor Rich, I just want to say, uh, it's been such a joy talking to you today. We've actually been following the ministry there in Miami. We, we go to a great church here in Dallas. And just thank, thank you for being so kind on the phone with me today. I was like, I got the phone. I was like, thank God I had the fruit of the spirit today. You know what I mean? Like, cause I wanted to be like in the inside. Yeah, yeah. Just go in you, that moment. You, you yeah. never know who's watching. But I think yeah. that that whole idea of how I've had to deal with that is uh, I want to meet people. And I, I feel like every person that I meet is an opportunity for them to get to, to meet the real version of yeah. me. And I think that the truth has a ring to it. I think that the truth, it does last. The truth will come out. And there's that old saying, it's like outlive them, you know, outlast them. And uh, I'm 15 years this year in a full-time ministry. Good. And my only goal at this point, after the last two years we've been through, after some of the friends that we've lost and whatnot, yep. is not to be the biggest, not to be the best, Preaching, yeah, I want to get better at it, but that's just not, I want to last. Yep. And I haven't been doing it very long, but 15 years into it, man, I have lost it's a the goal. lot of people. And some people were claimed to be the best to ever do it. It's just like, I just think the truth has a ring to it. Yes, the lie can get around the world before you can, whatever that great Churchill quote right. is, but, but don't fall into the trap of it. Don't fall into the negative perceptions. Kill them with kindness, man. Right. Love them. One by be one. Be patient. You know, just show up and be a blessing. And I, I don't know. For me, it's like there's always been some kind of critical voice. But man, that's always a sign that you're doing something right. If they're not saying something bad about you, you're probably not doing anything good. So there's a, there's a version of that. But I don't ever want to become jaded by that because it's praises and rejection that we're fighting through. Exactly. Because, and I've learned too, this is, this is something good for all the passion out there. Oh, this is good. This has helped me so much. I love that idea of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. He's the king. But, you know, they're, they're quoting Psalms. Friday, crucify him. <laughs> it's the same people that say, Hosanna. You know, as quick as they deify you, they'll, they'll crucify you. So we kind of all can kind of preach that. You know, the same crowd, the same mob. Don't live for the praises of people. And all of us as leaders, someone starts demonizing you, like, oh, that person's bad. They are, get distance, yeah, red flag. Yeah, yeah, block. Heretic. But here's where some people need to listen. You gotta be real careful with the people that are always only praising you. Yeah. When, it, when it's an intense, false level of celebration, I start telling people on our team, Pastor Rich, I'm with you forever. Don't ever tell me that yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Any person who ever told me that, it's like, not true. When you leave it. I don't need you here forever. I need yeah. you here today, bro. Yeah. And what I'm saying is, it's, it's once again, it's the two sides of the same coin. It's that intense praise that I get addicted to. That's why when I get rejected, it hurts so bad. And I gotta keep breaking free from that. Of course I want, we all need praise and, and celebration, but I can't live for it. And the only way I can do that is continue to remind myself of who my identity, identity in Christ is. 
and then I gotta like I'm gonna outlast it. Like look, yeah, finish. Make we make that our goal. Like that's the whole all the proving your haters wrong thing. Don't prove your haters wrong by I don't know being cool or being in like getting the house. Prove your haters wrong by still preaching the same thing right. twenty years later. Yeah. Like I'm still doing this. Like I don't know where everyone else went, but I'm still yeah, trying to, trying to do this, and so that's kind of like my mindset, my mode right now. That's good. That's what I try to kind of rage against and try to be aware of it. I just, I've been saying all day that, you know, we've been in a couple of things today, but like truth is an intention. So I, I, at one moment I can be saying two different things at once, but they actually both are true. And it's, it's the mixture of, of, of landing in there that like I got a, I it's a tension to manage. And so right. I think all this stuff lands there a little bit for me. But in talking about that tension, like I think about so many people learn from you. So many people watch your messages, um, really, especially in my world, your young adult pastor, your college pastor, your, uh, your youth pastor, your middle school pastor. Um, you're really looked to as one of the top voices mm. who can communicate and who can create tension and create moments. So many people learn from you. What would you, because I think we're entering, even before maybe you really got into ministry and started preaching, we're entering really this new, and it could be dangerous. It's kind of what we're talking about. It's the tension of, um, I got to build my platform. I got to build my brand. I got to build my Instagram. When I'm preaching, I have to have that moment where I know the camera's on. Oh, that alliteration has to be perfect because this is the minute and a half reel I'm supposed to post later. While, yes, that is important because we want to reach people. Yeah. You do it some, and, and I think... Um, a lot of people get reached at the same time. What would you tell that youth pastor that's balancing that? Because you also want to honor the vision of the house. Yeah. I think people see you and they see Vu, but they have no idea that you ran the college ministry at your dad's church yeah, yeah. for 10 years. Yeah. What would you, I would, I would love yeah. to know your thoughts on that. I, I think it's a very, very layered thing because I think there's, what happens? What, what you celebrate is what gets repeated. Right. And so we, we live in a moment right now where mm. all those things that you just said that I think are wrong are the things that get celebrated. So it, it, what, get, what gets rewarded? What, what, what gets the like on Instagram? The whatever you just described. And yeah. so it's like, oh, I got to do more of that. I, I don't really want to post that. I just, yeah. Yeah. that I'm looking for traction. Yeah, I'm looking feeds for forward. The small group did yeah. as well. And so sometimes we even kind of can, and I do this, I, I, I can even demonize this young person who's fallen into what I would call as a trap. Yeah. They don't know it's a trap. They're, they're, they're trying to do something good. They're trying to make a difference. They're trying to find progress and right. momentum. And the thing that gets celebrated many times in this culture is the wrong thing. I don't know how we can make serving sexy. I don't know how we can make devotion to Jesus. It, all those things are private life stuff. All of those things are in the shadows. And so yeah. all we can do is, is teach. I, I think history is important. I think we're so, I don't, I don't think anyone knows history. I just watched Joel Osteen interview the prime minister of Israel. My goodness, Rich, how many times are you gonna bring up Israel? Um, but they're God's people. <laughs> that guy who goes to Israel. But, yeah. uh, he, he talked about something about like leaning at this level. Like, you know what you have to know? And he's, he's, like, he's like, it's three things. You ready? He's like, history, history, and history. And not even here, I just heard the sound bite of it. But right. I imagine where he's going is, is that history repeats itself. And we live in a world right now, we have, amnesia we don't know any history like, like a lot of people a lot of evangelical americans don't know much of church history the last hundred years right exactly. they don't know missions they, they don't know the last 50 years they don't know 40 years of history they don't know pentecostal history so 
with that, I'm just saying what happens is we become iterations upon iterations, repeats upon repeats. And before you know it, you're copying something, but you don't know the source. It's like, think about fashion. It's like someone who actually knows fashion, they can get kind of like irked by the kid and all the yeah, Zara. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause it's like, you look cool, but you don't know why you look cool. Exactly. Right? Fat design, not that I'm some great architect, but it's like, you like that couch, but you don't know why you like that couch. That's actually a mimic. And that's actually a copy. Of a vintage. And it, it's, it's, no one should be demonized for this stuff. I'm just saying there's an origin story. Right, you gotta know the story. And the origin story is where the, where the power is. It's like the founder, right? Like that's something about a company or, or Highlands, right? Pastor Chris carries it. When I get around, you're like, well, now I get it. That's why he can be, he can come into your college and I'm like, Dylan, what are you doing, man? This is not Highlands. You're like, oh, I do. Because he, he carries the, the origin story of it. Right. I guess what I'm just trying to get at is that I think we need to teach history. I think we need to give people a longer playing field. Life is long. I think there's such a sprint and there's such a hustle culture um, that we think we have to get it all right now. But man, anyone that you think is an overnight success, that wasn't overnight, that was a long night. You know what I mean? It's over time. Yeah, yeah. And you wanna last. And the only way you last is with a good foundation. And so, yeah, I feel like our teaching, I think guys like you, it's like, we need to, we need to go back. We need to teach spiritual practices. We need to make sure we understand the gospel. I have a young guy coming onto our staff right now who's stepping into an operational role. We had coffee today. I just said, hey, let's talk about, let's just talk about for a minute your soteriology. Like, let's just talk about what is your belief? How does someone get saved? Not that I don't think he knows how, but like he's coming on, he's gonna do yeah. something. Just let's articulate some of that stuff. Right. It's not to, not that I'm so great, but it's just like, let's just get into alignment so we can understand your behavior erupts from your belief. And so what ends up happening so is that bad. a lot of preaching and teaching today is just mimicking of behavior. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I got the sauce, but I don't really have the substance. I got the style, but I don't really know the source. Yeah, I didn't go through the process. Yeah, I got the sizzle of TD Jakes now, but I'm missing the steak a little bit. And, and the steak is found in the private time. It's, it's like, it's, why, it's what I was preaching this, it's some of that motion, it's like, it's amateur hour. And what I mean by that is just like, right. it's not for profit, it's for pleasure. I'm not against anyone getting paid for ministry. In fact, it's biblical. I'm just going, there was a day when that was the furthest thing from my mind, not because I was more noble or better, but just because I just loved it that much that any opportunity to talk about this stuff, I'm there. And there is a, there is a call back to that. It's amateur hour. We gotta come back to like, it's pleasure. Like, you gotta come back to like, I love all this stuff. I'm not. We're trying to build a gorgeous building. Thank God for it. But we've got to get a generation of people who are like, dude, if there's no band, we'll touch God. If right. there's no, if, if I didn't prepare my talk, I still got to talk. You know, like I got a word. I know this yeah, stuff. That's interesting to me is you will have these, these teams, you know, these incredible college football teams. Their playbook is this thick. Mm. And when they lose a game, and, and John Seedling shared this the other day at a deal, and I just said, thought about it. He said, you know, they've got 400 plays. Right. But sometimes it goes down to say, and they, they lose the game. Mm. They catch the coach coming off the field. They said, what happened? He'll say this word, fundamentals. Yep. We didn't tackle. The little things. It's like, we didn't tackle. What are we, yeah. It's, it's like blocking. Yeah, it wasn't the jerseys. And tackling. It, we just, we didn't do those two things. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is there are some basics, yep. some fundamentals, mm. some foundational things 
that you got to make sure you do some blocking and tackling. So good. You know, it's 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 run, pass, block, tackle. It's, I mean, the, what's it's the like worst. five foundations of a football. And if you don't do those things, I don't care how many this, that you spread the offense. So good. You could run. You could do. You could do. You know, all these different decoys. But you better tackle. And um, and we're 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 living that world today. But uh, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate oh, your man. wife, your church, your you building. Really your team, anytime you're Birmingham, it's always good. Because we're gonna have, we're gonna do something. Yes, sir. We're, we're gonna do something. But thanks for being a part of Unscripted. Thanks for letting me be on. We love you guys so much. Hey, thanks a lot for being a part of our episode of Unscripted. I want to say a big thank you to all the generous partners who helped make Unscripted possible. One of those is the Wesleyan Investment Foundation. They've been serving churches for about 80 years. And so if you're a church or a church planner, they've been helping with borrowed investing funds. And if you're dreaming about a new project, want to build a building, I'm thinking about purchasing this land to open up our second campus, or you've got want to invest resources where you'll get the best return, then think of WIF. Uh, they're the real deal. I mean, I've, I've spent a long time getting to know them. And I'm so grateful for their leadership. So check out wifonline.com to find out more about the organization. But then also, I want to thank Compassion International. Uh, what a great uh, organization that has been around about 70 years. They've been working to serve in some of the most vulnerable areas, uh, in some of the most vulnerable children in the name of Jesus all these years. They've helped over 2.2 million children. They reach them, they serve them, they serve children, they serve families, and they all do it through the local church. And they give them the gospel and help them with so many things. And I'm just grateful for the partnership of Compassion. So if you wanna learn more about Compassion and how to be a part of it and find out what's going on with them currently, what's happening in the world, you can get to know it immediately. Check out Compassion.com. And hey, don't forget, if you're not a part of ARC, we want to invite you to learn more, whether you're an existing church looking for relationship or to be a sending church that is so important in the world right now, and you want to just have impactful missions to be a part of, then we want to be a part of that. Or you're a potential church planner. We'd love to meet you. Come do life with our leaders and our pastors, all those that have planted churches. So check out our website, arcchurches.com, to connect with us. Let's connect. Come on, somebody.